0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Gradually, though, we can have a tendency to drift and it's like that faucet's being tapped back, tap, 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 and less blessing, less blessing, less guidance, less peace, less kindness is in our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul said these words to this church in Thessalonica, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And when we go our own way, when we choose our own path, that's exactly what happens.
1: Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Allow me to ask you a question. What do you think of when you hear Holy Spirit? Perhaps you think of a ghost as in the Holy Ghost mentioned in the King James Bible. Perhaps you think of a force like the force from Star Wars. Perhaps you think of the different gifts the Holy Spirit is said to give believers in Jesus. For most of us, the Holy Spirit is a mystery, and we're not sure who or what it is. In this sermon series, The Invisible God, we're going to seek to clarify who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit desires to do in each of our lives. We will examine the promise of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave us, the personhood of the Holy Spirit as he desires to relate to us, the power of the Holy Spirit that God desires to have come through us, and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we continually have with us. Through this study, our hope is you will be able to enter into a deeper relationship with God's Spirit that resides in you.
0: You're thinking, like, where are all the miracles at? And what I would present to you is, is that those miracles actually happen in very condensed periods of time. You, you had that with, you know, at the very beginning with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, there's a little bit happening then, and then you would have some more that would happen with the giving of the law, and Moses, then you'd have a little more that would happen with the coming of the prophets. And these were very, it's only a few pages in the Bible, in your Bible in some cases, but you can look at hundreds or thousands of years that pass by, and in those particular moments, there's incredible things happening, and we're thinking, many of us, why isn't that happening today? And we may ask questions one day when we're in heaven, like Jacob, what was it like to wrestle with God for his blessing? Moses, what was it like to meet God on the mountaintop? Elijah, what was it like to be in the presence of God as the boy raised from the dead? Incredible things. But if we were to ask Elijah this question in heaven, hypothetically speaking, I just wonder if Elijah might look back at us because it's different now. And he would say, it was incredible to see the boy grow up and, eventually pass away. It was incredible to have God's presence and power with me, but I think he might turn the question around on us today. And he would say, as amazing as it was to have God's power with me, he might ask you, what was it like to have God's power in you? Because that's a huge difference that we have available to us today. Everyone who believes in Jesus. And that ought to be very, we might say, convicting of Christians, because far too many of us are not tapped into that power, not aware of that presence as we move forward with our lives. And what we realize is this, is there's a stark difference between the Old Testament to the New Testament. What it was like to have, what was it like to have God's presence and power at work within you is what they might pose to us today. And here's the main idea is God's presence inside you is better than God's presence beside you which was about all they had going for them then. And so there's some fundamental implications of this truth in the old of, of us today. There's some fundamental implications of this as it relates to anybody who really believes in Jesus. That you have the power of God within you. And so what should that mean for your life? What does that do for you? What, is it, what does it even matter that we would spend a month talking about this? Well, one implication of God's presence in your life is this is that God's presence in you should create a godlike atmosphere around you. The, the idea is it starts in you and then it begins to ripple out. John chapter 14 said it this way, that when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. What he's saying is that when God's spirit comes within you, he's a gentleman and he's gonna to whisper to you what you need to do and what you need to change and what, you need to, what needs to happen in your life to get you back on track. It's like what Kyle Idleman talked about a few weeks ago. It's sort of, it's that moment when he was watching the movie with his mom And as he was watching this movie that he had already seen with his mom that he thought was so good, he realized, wow, this movie isn't very good. I thought this was good, but now I'm realizing it's not good. And now he's hearing things that he never heard before. And he's seeing things that he didn't really pay much attention to before. Now, all of a sudden, he's very, you might say, convicted of what it is that's in front of him. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us is that he resides within us and he begins to, as a Christian, he begins to convict you and challenge you and help you to see things that maybe you didn't see before as what you thought was right, but now you're realizing those are wrong. Same way with the language and whatever else it is that you may be thinking. He does that, but then it ripples out. And that's the God-like atmosphere that begins to come out around you. It's kind of like... um, I had a few years where I was in Bible college that I was a server at a restaurant. And I don't, how many of you here were servers at restaurants? If you're online, give us a shout out. Just say, I was a server. Man, everybody should work in a restaurant at some point in time, specifically as a server. It gives you a whole new perspective on life. So I'll be candid though. When I first started working there, I, I had been a Christian for about a year and a half and the people I worked there with didn't like me. They just, they just did not like me at all. And I don't really know why they didn't like me, but they didn't like me. And I saw what was going on, and I never realized how crazy it was until I got in the midst of it. I'm like, man, you all are really crazy. Like, I've, I've struggled. I dealt with some of this stuff in my past, but you're at a whole nother level of what they were dealing with when it came to drinking and drugs and promiscu- being promiscuous and all the drama and fighting that was happening amongst them. But then they started to recognize there was something different about me because I didn't get mad when a customer didn't give me a good tip. And I wasn't cussing and screaming and hollering when things got a little hectic and we were really busy. And I wasn't fighting with my coworkers. And I wasn't getting wasted and going after the next high. Eventually, after about four or five, six months, they started to see that. And I knew what they were doing and I was just trying to be their friend. I just honestly was just trying to make a few extra bucks, too. But then they started talking to me about why I was the way I was. And I started sharing with them about Jesus and about the difference that Jesus had made in my life, about the change that had taken place. That like the apostles, I was a little bit of a coward. But now, because the Holy Spirit had come to dwell within me, I was a little, I was different. And they took note of that. And they wanted to know what was going on. And eventually, there came a point at which people in, on the staff, the hostesses and other people, they would come to me and say, can you go talk to him? I had a manager come to me and said, he has too much potential to be acting like that. Would you go talk to him? And I'm thinking, you're the manager. Why are you talking to me about this? And then they would come and they would say, you know what? They act differently when you're around. And they did, because I would walk into their conversations and immediately the the stuff they were talking about, you you would notice a quick shift in the tone of the conversation and the topic, in many cases, of the conversation. And it wasn't the greatest job. Honestly, at the end of it, I hated it. And in hindsight, I probably should have stayed there another year. I left early, I just didn't like it anymore. But in hindsight, though, I see that Jesus was making a difference there through me. thank you for tuning in to hope for the day our mission is to offer you hope through christ-centered biblical preaching we certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today you might not know this but each of these sermons are recorded live at valley view christian church in the Denver metropolitan area if you live in the city we would love to meet you in person we offer sunday services at 9 and ten thirty a.m We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. And why is that relevant? Because some of you are asking the question, why do I have this job right now? And right now, generally, when we're asking that type of a question, it revolves around status, it revolves around salary, it revolves around stress. And what we're not thinking about when we're thinking like that is, God, how are you trying to use me in this place? Because God is wanting you to bring him into that place, and he's not as concerned about your salary, and he's not as concerned about your status, and he's not as concerned necessarily about your stress. Those things are important, but primarily, he's wanting you to bring a God-like atmosphere into that place. He's wanting you to bring that into that place, that love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and self-control that the Holy Spirit brings through us into these environments. Or you're asking, God, why do we live in this community? And men, I've had these conversations with some of you with the way our community around us has changed so dramatically over the last three, four, five, six years. And some of you are looking around and you're thinking, I don't get along, I don't relate at all to these neighbors of mine. And you're thinking about moving, maybe you're thinking about going to another state, but maybe, maybe God has got you where he has you in that particular place to bring him more into that place. And if you aren't there, then nobody else will be to bring that love and that joy and that peace and that grace and that mercy and that compassion, everything that he wants to do through you. If you aren't there, then when's it gonna happen? How many people are gonna be lost in the meantime? And maybe you're even saying, God, why do I, why am I in this marriage? Why do I have this home right now that I'm in? And maybe God's saying, I know. I know it's hard, and I know she doesn't respect you. I I know that he does not pay as much much attention to you as you want him to, but maybe God has you in that place to create that God-like atmosphere that only you can bring into that particular relationship and into that home. God's presence in us creates a godlike atmosphere around us. And as I say that though, we need to keep in mind this, is that we always need to be distinguishable. Everyone who believes in Jesus, there needs to be some sort of distinguishment that you have from others. I'll say it this way. Christians need to meet non-believers where they are, but not become as they are. Jesus met people where they were at. You see it again and again and again in the Bible. I'm gonna give you a story in a little bit of, the, of, a, of Philip meeting someone where they were at, but they never become as they are. They always remain distinguishable. Another pre- implication of this, God's presence in you, and this relates to how you are living your life, and it transitions from that point that we just made, that you're not becoming as the world is. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. God's presence in you brings blessing when you follow him. Brings blessing. Often when we think about blessing, we think of uh, physical, material things. And in some cases, that's the case. You know, that as you're obedient to God, there's a blessing that follows. And sometimes that can be financial. Sometimes that can be something physical. But more often than not, and who wouldn't need a little bit more of some of these things? More often than not, the blessing is stuff like, Guidance instead of confusion. Peace instead of anxiety. Kindness instead of anger. Favor with others instead of disrepute. That's what God's presence in you, that as you follow him, these things begin to come to you more and more often. I I liken it to a faucet. That I, the faucets that we have today are wild. All these different handles, they, go, they do different types of things and how you turn them on. But if you were just imagine a faucet that you move over to the right, all of a sudden the water begins to pour out of it. But maybe you think, ah, it's a little too much water, so you kind of tap at it, tap it, tap it, tap it, tap it. A little less water coming out, a little less water. Eventually you push it all the way over and the water stops. And what if you viewed God's blessing like that? That when you are surrendered to his presence that is within you, his Holy Spirit, and you are being guided by his Holy Spirit completely and fully, the blessing is flowing. Like you have guidance and you have peace and you're able to be kind when it's difficult. And whenever there's all sorts of things happen around you that you can't quite tie together, you still know what to do because he is guiding you and you have favor with others. And all these things are happening because you're surrendered to him, not to you. But gradually though, we go our own way sometimes. Gradually, though, we can have a tendency to drift, and it's like that faucet's being tapped back, tap, 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 and less blessing, less blessing, less guidance, less peace, less kindness is in our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul said these words to this church in Thessalonica, do not put out the Spirit's fire. And when we go our own way, when we choose our own path, that's exactly what happens the classical example from the old testament is a man named samson there may not have been another person in the scriptures that was more that was as blessed as samson and blew it as significantly as samson did but ultimately in the twilight of his life he would recover but he was incredibly blessed by god He was incredibly blessed. Look at this. This is one point. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. So God's spirit was on him. And as a result of that, there was a great blessing. He had strength. He tore a lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. And so he had this going for him, but he also had a Nazarite valley. He had a certain life that he was called to live. And inevitably, he would drift away from that until finally, Delilah, he would tell her what it is that he what it is that needed to happen to him for him to lose his strength. And she shaved his head. And the Philistines came upon him. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as I had before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't realize that the blessing in his life had been cut off. The way you follow Jesus makes a difference with what it is that the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. It just, that's just the way it is. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry, and as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And then finally, this final implication is this, is that God's presence in you will lead you to fulfill the Great Commission. You know you you know that you're really in step with God's spirit and you haven't put out that you haven't put out that fire that's there or you aren't putting it out when you're willing to talk to people about Jesus And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so this is this incredible great commission. And we've talked about this. Jesus said, I want you to do this, but you can't do it until I leave and my spirit comes. I know you've seen me teach, you've seen me perform miracles, you've been with me for three years, but I don't want you to do this without the help of my spirit. So you have to wait in Jerusalem until he comes. But when he comes, this is exactly what is supposed to happen. And in Acts 8, we see a great example of this, of the apostle Philip being led by the spirit to make sense of the world, to make sense of the gospel, to an Ethiopian eunuch. And as history would tell us, it is this Ethiopian who would take the gospel, take the Great Commission into Africa, into Ethiopia. This is what it says. So he, Philip, started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and so he's he's seeking out God. He's open to God, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and here's what I want you to catch. The spirit told Philip. Now, we don't know. We don't understand that, and that's maybe a little bit different than some, what some of you have experienced, but there was some sort of an impression, and maybe it was an audible voice. At any rate, God's spirit leads him to do what? To fulfill the great commission. Go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. How many of these moments have you had? How many of them have you had recently in which you're just saying, God, I don't want to be at this workplace, but I'm going to be here. God, I don't want to necessarily live in this community, but I am here. God, right now we've got a lot of tension in our home, but we're still together. And it's that moment when you've got the Spirit leading you to bring more of Jesus into that place, to bring Jesus, in some cases, directly into that place, just like Philip did here. Now, I want to conclude with this story from a man named Roy Hessian. And I want to wrap up this series with this story because many of us have a tendency to live the life, live this life on our own. We we don't put ourselves in a position to where we're dependent on God's Holy Spirit leading us. And Roy tells a story of the early 19, mid-1900s in which he was an evangelist. He had experienced um, incredible fruit from his labors. But what he found is there was an interesting phenomenon that was taking place in the 40s and the 50s with him that he would only be able to make sense of in hindsight. And what what he was making sense of was he was working harder, but less was happening. He was working harder, but then less people were coming to believe in Jesus. Have you ever noticed this in your own life? Maybe you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're doing it, you're trying to do it on your own as much as you can, but it's just not coming together. There's not as much fruit. And this is what he wrote in his autobiography. In 1947, I had been doing full-time evangelistic work in Great Britain for a number of years, but had come into the state of great spiritual need. I had somehow lost the power of the Holy Spirit, which I had once known in the work of the Lord, and yet I had... I had to continue to conduct evangelistic campaigns without his power, a terrible experience. I was rather like the son of the prophets in Elisha's school who lost his ax head while chopping down a tree. And he goes on, but who perhaps for a few strokes at least continued to chop with just a handle and wondered why he was making no progress with his work. In other words, he's hitting a tree with a, just a stick. And he's wondering why is it not making progress? Ignorant of what I had, re- had really happened to me, I redoubled my efforts and became increasingly tense and forceful, all of which are a poor substitute for the Spirit's gentle, penetrating power. It is, of course, looking back that I can describe my situation in this way. At the time, I was all too ignorant of my need. And so as he shares this experience, what is your experience right now? Are you trying? Are you working? but nothing's coming together the way that you want it to, maybe it's time for you to stop doing it on your own and start allowing God to help you. There's a story of a man, he'd written um, several family and marriage books. And he talked about after he had written those books and he taught in those seminars, he had been married for 38 years. And so in hindsight, he was a couple years out, he was about 40 years of marriage. He said he looked back at 38 years of marriage, some of you maybe have been married that long. And he said, I, I realized after 38 years and everything I knew and all the books I'd written and all the seminars i taught at that I didn't love my wife anymore after that amount of time. And he said, what I realized is, is for 38 years I've been trying to love her on my own. And I made a s- distinct shift at that point in time that every morning I would wake up and I would cry out to God and I would say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to help me love her better because this is embarrassing that we've been married this long and I'm not loving her any better than I am. And so he literally would pick up a sign on the side of his bed and hold it on his chest and he would just say, help me, help me. And maybe that's where you're at today. Stop depending on yourself. Stop trying to chop down the tree with just an ax handle. Instead, let the Spirit do what only the Spirit can do and cry out for help and allow Him to empower you and to do things through you that only He can do. Let's have a word of prayer and then we're gonna have a time of communion. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are grateful for what you have given us in Jesus. We are grateful for the hope that we have in Him. And most of all, Father, you've given us your presence, your power, your Spirit within us. Lord, may we be a people who depend on your Spirit in incredible ways. Help us, Father, to depend on you, to trust in you more and more so. And we thank you for what we have been given in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.